1: if you are international
0: and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org circles and add the internet church circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, or we're vibing through the book, 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Ku, and in today's episode, we're talking about that one time in the Bible where Abram's wife basically tells him to sleep with one of the employees and then things get really messy. Oh. If you're wondering what in the world am I talking about, I'm talking about Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 16. My guest for today is Pastor Harold. Good to see you, Pastor. Hey, um, we're looking at a story that at the surface is just, like, just like, kind of like a silly, like goofy story, like... You got, Abram got some really bad advice in this story. You know, uh, he's trying to figure out what's going on. He's given the promise that he's going to have kids. It doesn't seem to work out. And the wife's like, hey, why don't you try something else? Why don't you try working with my servant? Hagar mm-hmm. and I don't know like the one of the things that I'm wondering about if I were picturing this in a movie is how hard do you think like Abram resisted you know if you ever been to, uh, to to lunch or to dinner and there's like the last you know taco or the last you know scoop of guacamole and like you and someone else both reach for it at the same time it's mm. like no you go no you go no right. you there's like this false humility where you're arguing but no you really want that mm. In my mind, that's the picture with Abram. It's like, no, 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 I shouldn't do that. Oh, oh okay. I guess you've convinced me now. <laughs> I'm just I, This is just such a bizarre thing. I'm sure there's a lot here that's happening culturally that is so different from the Western world. But I can't just think of how weird this story strikes me at a first read.
2: It is. not. I mean, you're on it. I think it's, it's weird. It's difficult to see where Abraham was personally with it. I, you know. But I think one a beautiful thing is that the narrator of Genesis is doing his best uh to to kind of like implicitly and explicitly show the disapproval of this decision and show the vindication hmm. of the the person who is mostly affected in this in this narrative, which is Hagar Hagar is really the one who's affected here the most um and hmm. And this is not like, it's not just Sarai being, you know, creative. This is just, it's, it literally is culturally accepted. So there are these, there's this ancient place called Nutzi where they found like thousands of tablets, clay tablets. And a lot of those tablets have all these laws and customs that come from the patriarchal time. Right. So about 2000 BC, right. The 21st century before Christ. Right. And here we are 21st century after Mm -hmm. Christ. So like, this massive time frame long time ago yeah and part of the social contracts in these tablets were that if you could not have children um with your wife um you you would use the maid servant to have a child kind of like a um hmm. a womb for for rent you know and like
0: a surrogate mother a surrogate
2: mom yeah and then you would you the child would literally uh, go for the mistress. So after they would have the child, it would go back not to the mother, but to the mistress of the home who was literally having a child through a, uh, one of her maidservants. So it was a very common practice, absolutely mm. common practice. So Sarah is not operating in a vacuum. The other thing also to consider is that Sarah and Abram are not Christians. Right? Like uh, sometimes we miss that point is that Sarah and Abram
0: are not Christians. Yeah. They're not Adventists. So they don't have the uh, puritanical background no. and all the purity culture influencing right. the way they're that they Christians. live their life no. and the sexual ethic Nothing. and all of that they're, kind of They're thing.
2: not Christians. They're not Adventists. They're not Jews. Hello. They're not Jews yeah. either. These are yeah. two Mesopotamian. This is a Mesopotamian family who God just got out of Mesopotamia just a few chapters ago. So there's a whole mm-hmm. influx of their background and their customs that they are bringing. That the Lord is slowly in the narrative. The narrator is showing how it is slowly being changed. So, for example, uh, it harkens back to the word "it" and and Sarah took and gave, right? Uh, mm-hmm. This and and mm-hmm. heeded the voice of his wife. There's this intertextuality that goes all the way back to Genesis three, which you've heard already if you've been listening to to this podcast. Where it literally is that Eve took, gave, and Adam hearkened at the voice of his wife. So there's already this intertextuality Hmm. that is showing disapproval and a a similarity of like, oh, the same way that Adam and Eve fell and it was a bad idea is the same way that this is a bad idea. And this is not
0: something that should be done. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's good because, you know, I I remember watching like a YouTube clip a number of years ago Mm -hmm. and, you know, what your opinions are, you or the listeners on things like uh, the traditional sexual ethic or whatever, like put that to the side. I remember watching a YouTube video talking about the quote unquote biblical definition of marriage. Mm And it was meant to attack the idea that, biblically speaking, marriage has always been one man, one woman for life. Mm -hmm. And then they cite stories like this where it's like, Mm -hmm. well, actually, technically on a quote-unquote biblical description, you have this polygamous kind of relationship that's Mm -hmm. taking place. And and what you're saying is it's uh, the way that the story is being told, they're not treating this instance of polygamy neutrally. No. It's certainly not being spoken of favorably, and we could just see the effects of it. It causes massive mm-hmm. havoc. But you're actually saying that linguistically it's it's connected to the fall mm-hmm. in the same way that the fall wreaked so much havoc and pain and sorrow. We're seeing that like there's elements here where it's tying it back right. to that original story. Yep. Which which I found absolutely interesting. In in my in in researching this, actually it wasn't even researching, in shooting a previous episode yeah. of the move, Jonathan pointed something out to me that was really mm-hmm. like kind of mind-blowing. The episode where we talked about how Abram traded his wife for a bunch of donkeys and then he talks about all the other things that he he received as like a a blessing or a payment for for his wife. Right. Some of the things that were mentioned were actually male servants and female servants right. from Egypt. Mm-hmm. And so one of the questions that someone might approach to the text is like, well, hold on a second. Like I get where uh Sarai and Abram like they're they're together, they're married. Where does this person come from? And it actually comes from uh the poor mis- poor uh, choices that Abram right. made several chapters ago and now we're seeing kind of like this, I don't know yeah. if it's Th- this what comes around goes around you you reap what you sow kind of effect yeah. like he's now suffering in the sense that it's leading to more poor choices it's
2: yeah it's it's sort of a continuation so it's not just a hearkening back to genesis 3 but it's the fact that throughout the narrative hagar is never referred to as abram's wife she's always referred to mm-hmm. as sarah's maidservant and mm-hmm. and um so, so it's never one of these like okay she's she, no it's like she's always sarah's maidservant and even when she when when the strife happens in the text she says that she grew proud because she was the one that was pregnant now and not her mistress so it, oh. she Hagar here is kind of like breaking breaking the social understanding of like that's not how this is going to work right and because hmm. of that strife it goes back to Abram where Sarah is like this is your fault and he was like <laughs> I'm, I'm stepping back out of this one. You do what you need to do, right? And and he right, sort of right, like, right. again, um, abdicates his responsibility, I guess, in a ways. But it really is a strife between mm. Sarai and, and her maidservant. So she goes away into the desert. She's right. running away, says the story, right? And she's pregnant mm-hmm. and she's upset. But there is this very tacit disapproval throughout the entirety, actually, of the Old Testament where when you find polygamy, it's not painted in good light. It's actually painted in all the 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 really nasty and heartbreaking implications of every single story. So you're going to see this throughout Genesis that the patriarchs, uh, oh, look, they, they had multiple wives. Yeah. How'd their families go? That's exactly the point. You yeah. know? And the narrator yeah, is yeah. making that point. So she goes away, right? That's the story. Hagar goes away because Sarai uh, deals harshly with her. Um, and, and while she's running away back home, well, why wouldn't you, <laughs>
0: right? Uh, right. Go back to your, go back to your parents. Yeah. Go back home. Which, 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 hold on real quick. That that's wild, yeah. right? Like we, we look with sympathy at the story mm-hmm. of baby Jesus on the way to, oh. uh, Bethlehem, right? Oh. You know, pregnant, Mary. Just on the donkey, whatever elements are actually true or about the story or not. But we we have such great empathy for this pregnant woman trying to travel. And before we started recording, we were actually talking about something that's happening with your family in just literally like a matter of hours or days. We don't know. Yeah. But your family's expecting another child, which again, cra- congratulations. That's Thank super you. exciting. Yeah, yeah. I used the word fun. You said that That's uh, one word. that was a word <laughs> to describe. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah. we're just talking about like, man, like this is crazy. This could happen any moment. And now you are a pregnant woman, not you, but in yeah, the story, yeah, yeah. Hagar's a pregnant woman running away from someone who wants harm against her. Like, who knows what that's like, like traveling through the desert. Like it's one thing to hop on a plane. It's another thing to have a car. It's another thing to take public transportation, but like none of those are options for her at this time.
2: You're exactly right. I think, you know, this is, this is a pregnant woman who is running away from the place of her sustenance. Like Mm. this is where she gets food. This is where she has shelter. She's this pregnant woman. And even throughout the, even throughout the Pentateuch, you're going to find these, these, these like stipulations of how you were to treat, made servants even in these stipulations which some people like to say well that means that it's approved no if there's a stipulation against it it doesn't mean that that's the natural course it means that when this happens mm-hmm. this is how you're supposed to treat it so in that's this cool. in this sad heartbreaking instance of her life at at in her desperation this is where a key character shows up for the very first time in the narrative, very first time in the narrative in, the, in the book. A, a key character then, throughout the old entirety of the Old Testament, is going to show up, and this key character is called the Angel of the Lord, right, Malach Adonai, okay. right. And and this this Angel of the Lord, um, there is there is very strong evidence in the text that it is the pre incarnate incarnate Jesus, right, kind of like Jehovah on Earth,
0: so. Oh okay. yeah, so so it's not an angel no. in the like halo, halo and wings sense, and sense that we might think. No, no, it's not that. <laughs> in a harp, no, absolutely, you got to remember that. Harp. So it's it's not that. No, but it's very likely the pre-incarnate Christ, meaning that this is this is Jesus before Jesus became. Yeah, 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 exactly. Jesus and the way that we understand him exactly. historically,
2: uh, because Je- Adonai Jehovah has this propensity, and and you see it throughout the narrative. Actually, even in Genesis, you're seeing that he is that when God comes to Abram, for example, in previous passages, and we'll see him in future passages, he comes embodied. He doesn't come. Abram's Mm. not just thinking and hearing a voice in an abstract manner. And maybe, maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I had too many, too many falafels to eat. Like, no, like he is literally (laughs) seeing an embodied being, person, human, whatever, come to him and talk
0: to him and address him. So, yeah it reminds me of like the stories surrounding lot and Sodom. Uh, when angels come to visit, hey. they're able to eat and, you know, yeah, sup yeah, with yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And then to the point where, spoiler alert, of course, many of you are aware of how the story of Sodom ends. Yeah. There's a destruction, mm. but the angels are like physically grabbing right, his family right. and pulling mm-hmm. him out of the rubble, so to speak. Exactly. So, so this angel of the
2: Lord, this Melek Adonai, is, is, is the pre, it's, it's Jehovah. It's God, it's Jesus incarnate. And he shows up for the first time in the narrative, not to the patriarch Abram, but to the fleeing Egyptian maidservant mm. and and there's a whole this is where so this is where the narrative not just shows its tacit disapproval of the idea of doing this in a way that the promise was you and Sarai, not you and Hagar, right, right, right. right? right. But now Hagar is in the midst of this, and, and she's like there's no other way recourse for her except to be vindicated, and the way the narrator treats her throughout uh, Genesis mm-hmm. 16 and 21 is to treat her in this sort of vindication language. So, so the angel of shows mm. up to her. That's the first one. The second one is that the angel tells her to name her son Ishmael, which means God has listened, God has heard, right? Mm. So mm-hmm. because I have heard your affliction, right? The, the other one is that uh, she is treated, although she is told to go back to her mistress and submit, in the rest of the narrative, and by the end of her story, right, by the end of Hagar's story, she's going to be a matriarch not from the covenantal line but a matriarch in the sense of like she is the matriarch of the clans of Ishmael there's about 12 clans of Ishmael and she's the matriarch not only that but spoiler alert she's mm-hmm. the one who picks a wife for Ishmael which normally was a was the the mm-hmm. father's task but she's the one who does it um, and then she gets this promise of progeny herself. Yeah, this is what I love. Yeah. She gets a promise of progeny herself that is very similar and akin to the promise that Abram has received. Right? So mm-hmm. she's the one that, that mm-hmm. says, basically, God is coming to her and saying, this is not cool, but I'm going to vindicate you. You are going to have a promise mm-hmm. where you are going to have this abundance that that is going to be established in your own progeny. Right. Um, Mm. so that the other thing that is really cool, um, is that the angel of the Lord calls from the heavens, right? And this will happen again to her in, in spoiler alert, 21. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) but then there's two characters, Abram and Hagar are the only ones who the angel of the Lord calls from the heavens to them. Right. Mm. Um, the other one Mm. is that, uh, she calls God by a name because now she responds Mm. and she says, God has seen me. Right. And she says, Adonai El Roy, right? El Roy. And she's the only person in the Bible, the only woman in the Bible that's actually named God. And God's like, I like that name. I'm going to keep
0: it. (laughs) Yeah.
2: The God that sees. That's awesome. So, you know, she's... And then there's, there's this almost like a... It's almost like a counter to the covenant relationship that she establishes. And it's the same language... Uh, that Abraham has in in the promise, right? So she goes back, yes, to a situation that might be hairy and that is definitely hairy, but she goes back not abandoned. Like this is this is the mm-hmm. the, the beautiful part of the story that I think is that, and that is so central because Hagar used to be dismissed, but as you the, uh, commentators used to dismiss Hagar, but now when you look at her story, she's she's a key mm-hmm. character. Um, and how God mm-hmm. treats her versus how she's been treated. Like, remember that God has called her right. by name, versus how right. Abram and Sarah have not called her by name.
0: Yeah, it's it's like Abram and Sarah treat her like an object, like right? a maid servant. She's In the maid ways, servant. Yeah, taken, yeah. given. you just servant. this thing that helps us get what we mm-hmm. want, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. But God's like, no, 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 no. Like this person has immense value. I'm gonna. I'm gonna embody myself and visit her. And I'm gonna to speak to her. I'm gonna hear from her. Exactly. I'm gonna bestow the, the the almost if not the same blessing that Abraham received, anyway, like you're gonna receive your version of it. Like yeah. there's this beautiful redemptive moment that God's right. saying, I see where you're at, and you're not by yourself. Right. You're 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 still you're still with me right. in this sense. Like I see you and hear you. It's 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 both mm. because that's why she's
2: name him Ishmael. God has seen me, right? And then Mm -hmm. he called Mm -hmm. her by her name, Hagar. He still says Mm -hmm. maidservant, Hagar, but he calls her by her name. So it's like, it's how God intimately knows the situation so well that he is going to go out on a limb. Not on a limb, but he's going to go out of his, I don't know if out of his way, but he's, no, he's going to be intentional. That's the word I'm looking for. He's going to be intentional. There There you go. In showing up. In a way that is special for mm. her. So think of like just think about it, right? Mm. Here you are in the desert pregnant. You have no idea where you're gonna go. You think your life is over or whatever. And then God shows up in an intentional way and vindicates you. Even if somebody else has wronged you or shouldn't have wronged you, he shows up and he vindicates. Man. Yeah.
0: That's good. If that's not good, I don't know what's, what's good. I, I don't
2: know what's good. I, I don't know what's good. And, and again, it, ch- it keeps on showing just like how messy. It was never the intent of the Lord. Going back to that initial podcast that you mentioned, it was never the intent of God mm-hmm. to be, you know, two wives, multiple wives. That's a terrible idea um, because all it does, it just causes strife, absolute
0: strife every yeah. single time. Yeah. It's the worst. It, it, re- it reminds me of the song, um, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. and And that's what the story is showing is there's a lot here that's really not great. There's a lot of stuff here that's actively evil and it's going to probably cause some lasting harm. And yet in the middle of it all, God absolutely shows up and turns what the enemy meant for evil turns. turns it for good. For good. Yeah, and something was not according news, to plan. Is that God's going to do that for that us? That was
2: not the plan. This, this, this whole mess was not the plan, but I'm going to work within this plan to still come up with good. And, and that's, that's the beauty that I, I, that's why I love this story. It's, it's a, it's a beautiful story that shows how from the messiness of it all, uh, the angel of the lord jesus <laughs> jesus shows up you know um in in this woman's life yeah
0: hey guys before you go just one simple request uh we've been tracking with you guys watching the comments and all of you guys who've been e- engaging with content we just first off we want to say a huge thank you but one thing that you can do to help spread the word share a clip. Uh, If you're following us on Instagram or anywhere else, you'll find all the kind of like micro clips that we put out there so that you can share them. You can tell someone about the show. If this has been something that has been a blessing to you, and I trust that it is because now we're all the way in episode what 25, 26, I think is what it is right now. If you've been following with us uh, throughout the entire book so far, we would love it if you share the show with a friend, get them on board and let them know about the move.